Hey, good to see you today. This is our Thursday edition of our Journey Through Scripture. My name is Philip, pastor of Journey here in Elgin, Texas. Glad that you've joined us uh, today as you're preparing for a new year. This is our our last podcast of the year. So ne- next time we uh, see you again, uh, it'll be 2022. It's hard to believe. Um, and especially as we are uh, talking about events that, uh, <laughs> that happened a few thousand years ago. Um, but, you know... It, the more things change, uh, the the more they stay the same. <laughs> we're we're going to talk about uh, the continued kind of rivalry between Saul and David and how things are going. Um, today we're going to look at First uh, Samuel chapters twenty uh, through twenty two, and then we are going to uh, uh, let's see. There's going to be three psalms. We're going to read Psalm fifty six, thirty four, and fifty two. So that's 1 Samuel 20 through 22, and then Psalm 56, 34, and 52. So uh, Psalm uh, 20, um, David has now fled. He's gone to, to Samuel for a little bit, so he's kind of staying away. Uh, but he hadn't just completely left the area. Um, and, and so he does still have contact at this point. So he has contact with, with Jonathan, uh, and he's talking to, to Jonathan, who, who came up to see him. And he says, what have I done? What is my iniquity? So what is the sin that I have committed against the, the king? Uh, what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life, right? So David is still under the impression that there's something that he can resolve or do. But what he doesn't realize is that Saul is no longer seeking to be godly. He's not seeking godly ways. And he is just viewing things through human terms. So David is the biggest threat to his kingdom, to, to not only him as king, but certainly to, to his family as the line of kings. And so he needs to get rid of David and, and his bitterness and anger, um, now will not uh, relent, and uh, and he is blinded by that. And David is looking at this rationally. He's like, well, what have I done? I haven't done anything. Well, Saul is not in a rational place. And so Jonathan uh, says, we'll give give dad one more chance. And uh, it's talking about a, a, a festival that they would be having. And they kind of come up with a plan that they're going to find out if Saul is still raging uh, mad at David. And so David is not uh, there. Um, and uh, and so Jonathan is going to find out and test um, Saul's anger and kind of level of anger. But before they do that, they make a, and this is important, they've, they've kind of made a couple of vows to each other anyway of uh, vowing their friendship uh, together. But in uh, chapter 20, uh, verse 14, it says, and you shall not only, uh, and you shall not only show me the kindness of the Lord while I still live, that I may not die, but you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying, let the Lord require it at the hand of David's enemies. So basically this is a uh, covenant that they make between each other um, that uh, even whenever David is is king and his enemies have been, been defeated, that he will not take out uh, Jonathan and his family, which that was a common practice, right? If, if there was ever a change in households in a kingdom, uh, the new king, uh, king would wipe out the, the line of the old one because you didn't want one of those grandkids coming and trying to reclaim the throne. 
right? And so David and Jonathan make this pact because, of course, David is not thinking in these terms, but clearly uh, Saul is thinking in those terms, which which means Jonathan is aware of that, and he just he wants to make sure that he and David are on the same page. So uh, it, this continues, and uh, Jonathan is uh, they are having a, a a meal with Saul, and David's chair is empty. And uh, Saul says, where is David? Why isn't he here? Which is kind of like, well, you've thrown a spear at him a couple of times. You've tried to have him killed. Probably not going to come have dinner with you. Uh, but, but Saul still thinks, hey, I'm king. He should be here uh, celebrating the festival. And uh, so uh, Jonathan answered Saul, said, David earnestly asked permission to go to Bethlehem. And he said, please let me go for our family has a sacrifice in the city and my brother has commanded me to be there. And now if I found favor in your eyes, please let me get away and see my brothers. Therefore, he has not come to the king's table. Then Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan. He said to him, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman, do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse uh, to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, you shall not be established nor your kingdom. Now, therefore, send and bring me, uh, bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Right? And, and then Jonathan says, why should he be killed? Uh, what has he done? So you've got a rational person dealing with an irrational person. Uh, Dave, uh, Saul is upset with Jonathan. He doesn't understand why doesn't Jonathan want the power? Why doesn't Jonathan want to be king as well? That, that, doesn't, that doesn't compute in Saul's mind because he is not looking at things from a godly point of view. He's not, he is not seeking godly wisdom. He is only using human wisdom. So it makes no sense that uh, uh, Jonathan wouldn't want the throne after Saul. And David is clearly in the way of that. Whether it was ordained by God or not didn't matter to Saul. And so he couldn't understand why Jonathan wouldn't uh, be up for getting rid of David. And so then Jonathan just, again, asked, "What, what is going on here? What has he done? And the very rational response is that Saul takes a spear and <laughs> hurls it at Jonathan, his own son. Um, and I love how scripture says, then Saul cast a spear at him to kill him, by which Jonathan knew it was determined by his father to kill David. <laughs> right? It's like, okay, at some point you have to quit dealing with the irrational and, and you have to move, move on. And so Jonathan lets David know, and David realizes that he is uh, he is you know going to have have to leave and be on the run uh, from Saul. There at the end of chapter twenty, it says, "Then Jonathan said to David, uh, Go in peace, since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, May the Lord be between you and me, and between your descendants and my descendants forever.' So he arose rose and departed. So David now leaves, um, and he's on his own. Um, and that, that was not an easy place. So you, you also know that now Saul has kind of put out the word that he wants David. So it, it becomes a difficult thing, even though David is popular. Um, now by sheltering him or protecting him, you're going against the king. Well, a, a lot of people and maybe even most people will choose to uh, adhere to the king because the king is going to kill them uh, if they... Uh, deliberately went against it then to help David. And so David finds himself into some difficult circumstances. He doesn't have easy places to hide. Uh, you know, 
chapter 21 uh, talks about how he uh, goes to, to Nob and to Ahimelech, uh, the priest, and uh, there's no bread that hasn't begun to be consecrated, but David is, is very hungry, and uh, Ahimelech actually uses bread that is consecrated to give to David to provide uh, sustenance for him. Um, and a very important part of this, in verse 7, says, Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg, an Edomite, the chief of herdsmen who belonged to Saul. So there's... A, you, you see a little bit of intrigue and some kind of spying going on. Here's this guy that's loyal to Saul. He sees David, and that's going to cause some major problems here pretty soon. Um, uh, as the David is going to leave, uh, the priest uh, Ahimelech says, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine whom you killed in the valley of Elah, there it is wrapped in cloth behind the ephod. Uh, if you take that, take it, for there is no other except that one here. Uh, David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. So David, uh, gets some protection. He gets, isn't it interesting? He gets, uh, uh, Goliath's sword. And so now he has Goliath's sword. Uh, he flees to Gath, which is in, uh, the capital of the Philistines. Um, you have this interesting, uh, situation where David, um, actually acts insane to because he's scared that the Philistines are going to to kill him uh, and he's probably probably right so now you have David who just think about this he was a shepherd boy anointed to be the next king over Israel um, finds himself in the palace things are going well then he, he uh, defeats Goliath things are going really well he's had all kinds of success um, people respect him it, it looks like things are going exactly the way that God had uh, indicated and that everything was headed in the right direction. And now all of a sudden David is um, having to flee for his life and it looks like that Saul may succeed. David is on his own and he finds himself in the, the very camp of the enemies. And now he's pretending to be insane, right? <laughs> it talks about how the spit uh, went into David's uh, beard because he was acting like he was a, a crazy person. Um, my, how things can change quickly, right? And and David ex- experiences that in a very, very real and powerful way. And so I encourage you to read Psalm 56 and 34 in light of that, those circumstances, that now David has found himself uh, completely cut off. He's on the run. He's resorting to relying on on priests to give him consecrated bread, and he's relying on deception of of, uh, being acting crazy to just preserve his life. And uh, Psalm 56 and 34, both are written about this time period. Um, Psalm 56 says, uh, verse 3, Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? Well, he knows what flesh can do to him. He's facing that fear. It is not saying that that he doesn't fear. He's recognizing that he is fearful. And that is why uh, he said, I will trust in you. I have to choose to trust in you. Uh, I love verses 8 and 9. It says, you number my wanderings, put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know because God is for me, right? Uh, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Verse 11. 
Um, you know, this is just saw uh, uh, David reiterating him, himself that God is going to be with him, that he's going to choose to cry out to God. Psalm 34 has that wonderful Psalm verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. Uh, there is no want to those who fear him. Right? That, and, and David recognizes that he hasn't always lived up to that, right? That he's made some, some bad decisions. He, he made a decision that where he had to act like he was insane, right? Um, and, and sometimes whenever we don't trust in the Lord, that we, we find ourselves in those difficult times where fear, uh, is overwhelming us. Um, the tendency is to try to fix it on our own rather than allowing God to give us the wisdom to know how best uh, to move forward. And, uh, and David is, uh, really brings that out in these Psalms. Um, verse 14, it says, depart from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. Um, so, so important. David's faith, you can really see being formed by what is going on here. So then we get to chapter 22. Uh, David uh, survives this time in the, with the Philistines, uh, and now people start to rally around David a little bit. But it's kind of an interesting group of people. It says, and everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them. And there were about 400 men with him. Isn't that interesting? So this is kind of a ragtag group that are frustrated, that have probably experienced some uh, some of the same challenges from the from Saul and the administration as well, uh, and now they're all kind of with David, and it helps because there's there's people there, um, but th- these aren't necessarily people who have good connections to get David back into good graces. Uh, that is uh, for sure uh, not uh, not going to happen, and uh, and so you have uh, David. Uh, getting established with his group. Saul is now after David. Um, Saul hears uh, of how the priest Ahimelech protected David and gave him food. How did Saul hear about that? From Doeg the Edomite. So Saul goes, and this is just shows how far Saul has fallen. Um, he he goes to the to the priest there in Nob, and he says, "All of you have conspired against me, and there is no one who reveals to me that my son has made a covenant with the son of Jesse. And there is not one of you who is sorry for me or reveals to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie and wait as it is this day." Right? So he is just mad. He feels like everyone's against him. People are lying to him, uh, and he goes and he he confronts uh, the the priest, and uh, they. The, uh, admit that they gave uh, bread uh, and a sword to uh, to David, and <laughs> and so uh, this is f- verse fourteen. So Ahimelech answered the king and said, "And who among all your servants is as faithful as David? Who is the king's son-in-law who goes at your bidding and is honorable in your house? Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Far be it from me." Uh, let not the king impute anything to his servant or any or to any in the house of my father, for your servant knew nothing of all of this, little or much. So he's admitting the uh, priest is saying, "Hey, I didn't I didn't know of your beef with David. You know what's going on?" Well, Saul responds as as someone who is irrational and who has lots of power. And he says, "Wipe them out." And so Doeg the Edomite actually wipes out. Uh, the, uh, many of the priests there. 
Um, and it, it shows how horrible things are. And, and Abathar, who, who was one of the priests who escaped, told David that Saul had killed the Lord's priest. Uh, so David said, I knew that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I have caused the death of all the persons in your father's house. Stay with me. Do not fear. For he who seeks my life seeks your life. But with me, you shall be safe. Uh, and then in Psalm 52 uh, writes about that. So I encourage you to read Psalm 52. That's where we'll end today. Um, I, it starts off, it says, Why do you boast in evil, O mighty man? The goodness of God endures continually. Your tongue devises dis- destruction. You love evil more than good. Talking about what Doeg has done. Then he, at the, the end of the uh, psalm, it says, I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. I will praise you forever because you have done it. And in the presence of your saints, I will wait on your name for it is good. Again, recognizing there is good and evil and there is this battle going on. And David is choosing the side of good. All right, that's going to be, wrap it up for uh, today. On Tuesday, we're going to be First Samuel 23 through 25. And then quite a through quite a few Psalms, 63, 57, 142, and 54. Again, that's 63, 57, 142, and 54. All right, we'll see you on Tuesday.